Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 5. And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with godly stones and gifts, Jesus said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another, thou sh that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be, and what will be the sign of when these things shall come to pass. And Jesus said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sighs and great signs shall there be from heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we do give thee thanks this morning for thy word, and we ask that thou wouldst give us understanding, that thou wouldst open our ears and our hearts, that thou wouldst indeed bring this word to bear upon our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of thy hearts be pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. As we come to our passage this morning, I'd like for us to consider this morning as we begin by way of introduction, thinking about many things in life that are signals or warnings for us. We see those signs that give us a warning. Uh, perhaps you've never thought of it. When a red light comes on the dashboard of your car, what do you do? You ignore it? No. It's an indication that something needs attention. Health issues come up. You begin to, to feel something. Something just doesn't feel right. It's some indicator that something's wrong, that there's a warning there. Or ignoring something going wrong with your house. Perhaps, oh, we'll just get to that another day, and suddenly you have problems. Well, we see in life signals of danger, signals of things that really need attention. But you know the spiritual warnings are far more serious. And yet they have eternal consequences. Our text this morning is one that shows us the importance of warnings. The importance of giving heed to warning. Because of the consequences that may result. This text that we come to this morning is often a source of confusion, a source of controversy, and a source of great contention regarding the future. Here Jesus speaks of the future in terms of a coming judgment. And so how do we understand it properly? How do we interpret it? Jesus here in our passage comes to the third prediction about the fall of Jerusalem. If you remember the first prediction 
of the fall of Jerusalem came in Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, where Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto thee, how often I have desired to gather thee like a brood, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time comes when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The second prediction of the fall of Jerusalem came in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. If you remember there, Jesus is there and um, he weeps over the city of Jerusalem. He was in the temple. He says, my house has become a house of prayer. And there he, we find Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. And then we come to the third prediction of the fall of Jerusalem. As we come here, we, we saw last time um, this account of this widow giving her offering, casting her two mites into the treasury there in the temple. And as you see the people gathered there, the scene changes immediately. As they're casting in their offerings unto God, it says, some spake of the temple. Now this some here comes from the crowd of people, not necessarily the the um, the disciples or the religious leaders, just people within the crowd, spoke of the temple, how it is adorned with goodly stones and gifts. And here as we see the sign that Jesus speaks of regarding future events in verses 5 through 7, he introduces this discourse, which actually goes to the end of the passage. But he answers the request for a sign of the impending doom. But as the disciples are observing the beauty of the temple, they noted the, the goodly stones. They, they noted the, the gifts. And here there are two things that we observe here when we see the beauty of the temple. The stones, the goodly stones that are described here are those magnificent stones that were used to build the temple. Now this is Herod's temple. This is the second time the temple has been built. And as the temple has been rebuilt, there are these large boulders that are added unto the temple. We cannot even begin to fathom what that temple looked like. I remember a number of years ago, as um, when I was in seminary, me and another seminarian were asked to go to a Ligonier conference at uh, Grace Community Church in, San, in uh, Los Angeles. I'd never been to Los Angeles. So we flew out there, and we are driving through Los Angeles. And I happened to look out to my right, and I saw this beautiful white temple. I'd never seen anything like it. And I said, oh, we have to check that out. Of course, we knew it was a Mormon temple. We went up there and drove around, and I was just amazed at the splendor and the beauty of that temple. It was just a white building, 
no windows in it. And yet I thought to myself how easily deceived people are to think that what takes place in that temple is holy and pleasing unto God. And yet here we find the people describing this beautiful temple with goodly stones and gifts. The Jews had strong feelings about the temple. The Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees had strong feelings about the temple. And how they, they longed to, to gaze upon that temple. How they longed to think about the beauty of that temple. The temple was made beautiful particularly because of the lovely stones, because of the offerings that were received, because of the magnificent detail that went into the building of that temple. As I said, this is the second temple built, built by Herod. And Jesus here in the temple area receives that response from the people. But here as Jesus hears the response of the people, he says this in verse 6, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another. They shall not, that shall not be thrown down. You could probably hear a pin drop in the outer court. You could probably hear a pin drop for miles. Jesus is predicting the fall of Jerusalem. And that is one of the many grievances that the Pharisees and the scribes had against him. He's going to destroy our system. He's going to destroy our temple. He's just going to lay this whole place to the ground. And there was fear, as he said, that there was a day coming in which this temple would be literally obliviated, mowed to the ground. Not one stone would be left. And there, the disciples, in verse 7, ask him, Master, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign when these things shall come to pass. Now here's the difficulty some have, not all, but some have with this passage of scripture. This is where I think John Gill is particularly helpful. Because he says that the disciples really ask two questions. And the two questions are in the context of Luke's account of the gospel. When will these things be? In other words, when will the temple be destroyed? And one stone not left on another? That's the first question. The second question, what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? What warning will we get? What signs will precede this destruction of the temple? And with that, destruction of the city. I think Matthew Henry, who is always helpful and very concise shows that the entire passage of Luke 21 is a prophecy of future events. And so in verses 5 through 7, the answer to the disciples' question, when will these things be? And what will be the sign thereof? And so as they're asking that question, 
they are wanting to know if this temple is going to be leveled to the ground, if this is all going to come to pass, then what is going to be the sign of these things? And some will immediately look at verse 7 and say, ah, future events way off thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years from now. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about the destruction of that temple in their day. That's, that's the context of the passage. Now, when you go to the uh, parallel accounts, you see the parallel account in Matthew chapter 24. You see that in Mark 13. Um, gives a parallel. Mark is, Matthew is more detailed. But it indicates that these things are coming to pass soon. And that soon does not mean thousands of years away. And so this is the difficulty that comes. But I think there's a wonderful lesson here, and, and J.C. Ryle brings this out in his commentary, which I think is quite helpful. He says, like the Jews who were fixated on that physical temple, we too sometimes begin to look at earthly things. Sometimes we begin to be caught off by prophecies and future events and all of these things. But he warns about looking at the physical temple itself. Now with that temple for Israel, that temple was associated with sacrifices. It was associated with worship. It was associated with the things of God. But it was a means that used that. But how often, J.C. Ryle says, that we look at a physical edifice that we call the church and find that sometimes we look at the building itself as the house of God. And yet we're reminded in Scripture we are the temple of the living God, that we are the building of God. I remember a little song a number of years ago that we were teaching some children when I was living in Scotland in a vacation Bible school. And uh, somebody says, we're going to church. And we said, no, we're not going to church. We are the church. And sometimes we need to be reminded that the church, that the temple is the people of God. And yet when we gather in the place, as J.C. Ryle reminds us, that is set apart for a holy function. It is there that we worship God. But the Jews forgot that. They didn't see the temple as holy because God was present there. Because if you remember previously, what is Jesus doing in the temple? He's cleansing it. He's casting out the money changers. He's casting out all those people that were making it a den of thieves. And so Jesus sees that the temple is in ruin, that the temple is in utter disrepair. And now he calls judgment upon that city and upon the temple because it had departed from the glory of God. And you see that in the Old Testament, that phrase Ichabod, written upon the temple, the glory has departed. And the glory had departed from the temple. And Jesus calls them to remember that this temple shall not last forever. There in verses 5 through 7 and, and 
Henry, Matthew Henry brings this out as well. Same two questions that are asked. What will be the sign of these things that are to occur? And so Jesus here in our passage, and we'll, we'll see this over the next number of weeks, Jesus begins to lay before them the signs that will precede that destruction of Jerusalem that came when? Not 1943, but 70 AD. As the armies of the Romans gathered around the city, Jesus says when the armies gather, and this is, this is seen further in the, in the passage, when the armies gather, when the war against that city begins, know that judgment has come. And this is a serious thing for them to remember that he came to bring a new order of things. He came to bring, to make all things new. And so he warns us here to be careful that we don't misuse scripture and look for signs and look for so-called unfulfilled prophecies that we see in our own light and not see it in the context of scripture. The context refers to the destruction of Jerusalem in the days of the apostles and those signs that would accompany it. But hold on, because we'll answer all of your questions, I'm sure. But as Jesus reminds them of the sign that would come, he wants them to draw their attention away from that city and that temple that is under destruction. But as he lays out before them the sign of those future events to come in the form of those two questions, he gives a warning regarding deception. And it says there in verse 8, Take heed that ye be not deceived. He's saying that to them just as he relates in verse 7 the sign that is to come. Do not be deceived. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Jesus here reminds them of two signs that should really be a warning to them to not be deceived. The first sign is that there will come many who will claim to be Christ. Many who will claim to be messiahs. And then the second sign is the sign of wars and commotions of nations rising against nations, of kingdoms rising against kingdoms, of great earthquakes that will take place in divers places and famines. I find it amazing that people in modern days, some Christians, will come to the scripture and read this and think of these signs as something that is far yet future. These things were already happening in uh, the first century. There were nations already at war with one another. There were kingdoms warring against each other. There were people claiming to be Christ, claiming to bring the message of God. There were many earthquakes in the first century in divers places and famine and and peril and all of these things. And Jesus reminds them 
that these are the first signs that you will see of that impending judgment. But in Matthew's account, particularly in verse 8, chapter 24, Matthew says when you begin to see these signs, this is the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning of the time of sorrows. But I want us to see that as well, the entirety of the church age is a time of sorrows. That Jesus says this is the beginning. This is not the end. This is the beginning. And as they see these great signs in heaven, as they see the the things that are to take place, he says, I want to warn you. And he's speaking primarily to the disciples. I want to warn you when these things come, be careful. Don't be deceived. Don't be carried away by what others may tell you. Because these things will come. Because it is the beginning of sorrows. And as we unpack this, I think we'll see a lot of this unfolding in the life of the apostles, particularly there in the book of Acts that we will eventually come to as we finish Luke. Here's the historical account of the Acts of the Apostles, uh, planting churches, bringing the gospel to to the nations of the earth. Here, the beginning of sorrows for those apostles, and yet the continuation of those sorrows for the church age as we see the increase of false Christ and false antichrist as we see the the continuation of nations rising against nations and when Jesus utters this warning of deception of not to be deceived he's reminding us of how easy it is for people to be deceived Satan is the father of lies. He is the one who deceives us. The scripture says man goes astray from birth speaking lies. But man by nature is deceived. And yet Satan deceives us every day. Satan can take one little truth from God's word and twist it enough to deceive people. And there are many ways we can be deceived. But Jesus did not want his disciples to be deceived. And he wants us to be on guard as well. Pay attention, Jesus says. Take heed. Don't be led astray by false teachers. Don't be led astray by self-proclaimed messiahs and Christs. Because this will happen. Not only in that age, the age of the apostles, but in the age of the church. For those on social media, particularly Facebook, there's some videos going around by the um, Worldwide Church of God or one of the splinter groups from that particular cult. And they're putting their Bible studies up and they're putting all of their things up now on Facebook to lead people astray. And yet there's so many ways people can be led astray. Jesus here particularly has in mind the false teachers. He's just dealt with them. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes. Those who come proclaiming Christ is here. Don't believe it. There in 1 John chapter 2, 
and verse 18. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. The apostle John says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby ye know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have known, but doubt continued with us. By their going out, they manifest that they were not of us. Here, John reminds us that those who lead people astray, those false Christs and that Antichrist that will rise up within the church, and particularly in our day, many Antichrists, but particularly the one Antichrist who leads the nations astray. And he warns them that those who come from within the pale of the church, those false antichrists, will leave and show that they do not belong to us. So there's a warning there to watch out for those antichrists in our day, particularly the one who wars against the church that is described in 1 Thessalonians. And so as we see here, the warning to be on guard against deception, how easy it is for us to be deceived. It doesn't take much to deceive us. People are deceived every day. And yet Jesus says, don't be deceived. These things will come. You will see the beginning of sorrows. You will see the beginning of those signs that will point to the end of what he calls the age. But as he calls them to be on guard against being deceived, he calls them to the necessity of discernment. Oh, how easy it is in our day to be deceived and to not have discernment. Every day we are faced with the need for discernment in uh, career paths, in just everyday life, we need discernment. And yet for the believer, discernment comes from the work of the Spirit. And yet as Jesus reminds them of these signs, he says, be careful that you're not deceived. But he also reminds them of the need for discernment in these things. And so we want to see very clearly from this passage as we begin to unpack these things that Jesus calls us to consider these things, to, to discern. He's, he reminds them there of the instability and the disorder that will come. He says, don't look for Christ to return immediately after wars and trouble. It says those will occur throughout the age. And so there's a need for us to, to have discernment, to be able to, to be on guard when someone says something to us, to not immediately receive it, to be uh, discerning about many things. Oh, how unwise we can be. Oh, how undiscerning men and women can be. And yet Jesus he says here, there is a need for discernment, particularly in light of these things that happen. 
Now, as we, we think upon this passage, and warnings will come again, and Jesus will conclude this passage with a call to, to perseverance and a call to, to be on guard. But the question for us to consider this morning is how discerning are we in this day and age? We have social media. We have media coming at us. We have uh, so many sources of information. And I get so weary and tired of looking at my email every day and just finding one email after another about, you know, this, 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 and this. And I just end up wiping all of them out because it's overwhelming. But as we think about the approaching judgment of God, particularly for that first century, if that desolation came and fell upon the nation, would they know what to do? Would they, would they uh, flee in fear? What, what would be their response? And yet the same response is what we need in our day, that when these things happen that Jesus describes, which is only the beginning of sorrows as they continue throughout the age of the church, we must be on guard and not believe everything or anyone that comes to us, but always to have wisdom in, in how we maneuver. And the question for us to consider this morning is how wise are we? How on guard are we against deception? Because if that desolation would come upon Jerusalem and they would flee for safety, how much more do we need to flee in the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ? Christ does not want people to be deceived. He does not want them to, to be terrified. And yet, let's face it, when we hear of what's happening in our government, when we hear of what's happening in um, nations uh, throughout the world, what do we do? We panic. There, there's a fear that comes over us. And really the call here for us to consider the need for discernment is not to be so caught off guard that we become filled with fear. But here we we find the need for us to be prepared and ready for the judgment of the living God. Just as that judgment came in 70 AD upon Jerusalem, so Jesus promises judgment will come to the nations of the earth. And the question is for us as a nation, how long will we survive? Because there's not been one nation in history that has survived. Because every nation has come under God's judgment. Now we are under God's judgment today. And yet there will come a day when the full fury of God's wrath will be poured out upon every nation. And that will be far more frightening than anything that people can write in a book or put on a theater screen. The anticipation of Christ's return should cause Christians to lift up their heads in hope. In that first prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem, 
What does Jesus say? That when that day of judgment comes, chapter 13, verse 35, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time shall come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And here that prophecy is fulfilled in the, the coming of the Lord Jesus in Jerusalem. But here it references that passage in Psalm 118 verse 26. That the king will come. And there is coming a day in which the Lord Jesus Christ will come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is already King. He is already reigning over His church. And yet there's a future day. And yet some will be caught off guard because they'll be looking for some physical temple to be rebuilt in some future age. And that is not the focus here. Jesus reminds us that we need to be more discerning in how we, we read prophecy. We mean, need to be more discerning in what we read. We mean, need to be more discerning in what we listen to. Because the Lord Jesus Christ will return at the Father's appointment, not when we think he shall come. And so here we need to be particularly discerning when we see the signs coming of, of, uh, of wars and nations rising against nations and turmoil in the earth, we need to be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. And the question for us to consider this morning is, are we discerning? Are we looking for his return? And it's not this idea of just sitting back and waiting for some secret rapture to come but it's sitting and occupying ourselves until Jesus returns because he will return and are we going to be sleeping when he returns or will we be found waiting and ready when he returns oh I warn you today against the deception that will come even in our own day Deception against leaders, deception against pastors and, and church leaders, deception against false teaching and, and all kinds of things. But we need to be discerning. And the question is, are you discerning the signs properly? Are you longing for that day when Christ will return? Because his day of judgment will be similar to the day that came upon Jerusalem but it will be far greater judgment for it will compass the entire earth and so let us not see these things as speculation or good conversation and arguments over how these things will proceed the Lord has his own timetable and we are to be ready whenever the Lord Jesus returns we need to be more discerning we need to be like the men of Issachar who study the times and know why these things are.
And as Jesus predicts that the house is desolate, the question for us, is our house desolate? The judgment comes against the church as well. And the question we have to ask is, has God's glory departed from us? Are we in a desolate place? And yet there's a call here for us to be spiritually watching, to be spiritually alert, to make sure our house is in order, to make sure that we are ready to receive the Lord when he comes again. And so I would warn you today, oh, be on guard against the deception. Be more ready to discern the things that we see. We might be ready when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we give thee thanks this morning for the promise of thy impending judgment, the judgment that came for Jerusalem, that judgment that will come for every generation. And we do pray, O Lord, that you would make us wise as serpents, that thou wouldst indeed make us discerning, that we might see these things and come to understand more clearly of the need to be warned of the impending judgment to come. So Lord, as we face the, the signs that will encompass the entirety of this age, we pray that we would always be on guard against sin, that we would be on guard against the things that will lead us astray. And we plead, O oh Lord, that thou wouldst prepare us, that we would make certain our house is in order. We ask for thy blessing upon thy word this morning that thou wouldst give us understanding and insight. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.